0: Howdy listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. The fire hose of news continues. Rat-a-tat-tat. We're going to go over the history of the WEF today, the World Economic Forum, and our buddy who cares so deeply about us along with the rest of the elites, Klaus Schwab. I think you'll find it more than interesting. And then I'm going to bring you the rest of the story on the WEF. And there'll be more to come over the coming months because they are the pinnacle of the heap of your enemies, no doubt about it, and the enemies of freedom. And then I'm going to bring you what I promised to bring you last week and ran out of time, a rather significant study of what happened in the Pennsylvania election in 2020, how Trump's 700,000 vote lead on election night, when they stopped counting for three days, suddenly evaporated into an 80,000 vote vote. Loss 780,000 votes swing after not counting for three days. And I think you'll find that it goes back to what I've told you about election fraud in the past and shows. Look it up on the therightsideradio.com under election fraud and under those shows. Just type in election fraud on the search bar. We, conservatives, you know, folks who believe in the Constitution, one legal voter, one vote. We are up against a democratic Marxist regime which doesn't believe in voters at all. Or legal votes at all. They only believe in ballots. Who has the most ballots? However they're arrived at. You'll see what I mean when I go over that with you. And then we're going to have another huge rat-a-tat-tat. Because as huge as last week's rat-a-tat-tat was, we didn't even dent it. First, though, let's start with our founder's quote, as is our tradition. And I think you'll see that this kind of ties into the WEF historical theme of today's show. This is by Thomas Paine. The American Crisis, another pamphlet he wrote. Quote, To argue with a man who has renounced the use and authority of reason, and whose philosophy consists in holding humanity in contempt, is like administering medicine to the dead, or endeavoring to convert an atheist by scripture. Unquote. The rant story. Oh, the rant story this week. Well, you know, I was patting myself on the back in last week's rant story about Uh, Looking forward this fall and having extra hay, etc. on hand. But you know, (laughs) despite all our preps for this blast of Arctic cold and whipping snow, whatever you think you have under control, there's always another gotcha. So now we have 40 to 50 mile an hour winds. We have... Loads of fresh, new, very light snow since the temperature has been below zero. And we have three to four foot drifts across the Ranch Road. Basically, that mile or so, you can't even get to the main road, which in and of itself is not in great condition. And what's the moral of this story? Ha! Number one, don't pat yourself on the back too soon. And number two, always think about the what-ifs, even if you are prepared for something or think you are because there's always another twist and turn around the corner or should we say as blown in by the wind. Let's talk about the history of the WEF and Klaus Schwab. You'll on nothing and you will be happy. It began in 1971. But let's go back before that. So Klaus Schwab, he's a rather shadowy figure. Interestingly, he grew up, he was born in 1938 in Nazi Germany. Kind of like our friend George Soros, who's a little bit older than he is, and you would have to think, and I'll make this point in the rest of the story, that the influence of Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany, and Germany's, uh, should we say, wished to control the world, played into this young man's thinking back there and then. He became a professor of economics, oh, terrific. You know, back to the educational thing, and I think you'll see where that ties in, too. And he has an engineering degree, apparently. But you know what's really interesting? If you Google up Klaus Schwab, and remember, Google is not your friend. Remember the PSYOPs shows I brought you? how Google is manipulating information and your ability to access it or what you access there's very little on him now you would think for one of the most if not the single most powerful person in the world there would be at least some background but you know it's been scrubbed clean try it for yourself I mean all you can really find out is his age Uh, his wife who has a separate foundation who does good it says but really does ill for the planet we'll talk about that here in this history there's nothing on klaus baby i wonder why that is how many of us could scrub the internet of what it says about us no one not even president cadaver the president of the united states that kind of raises red flags for me at least So, Professor Schwab founded the forum in 1971. He chose Davos as the home for the annual meeting for the escape because the the mountains there, that resort, represent in both Swiss and German culture. Oh, back to German culture again. Kind of a magic mountain, you know, a place where new ideas evolve and the soul is cleansed. He held the first Davos confab in 1971 after leaving the uh, Swiss industrial group Eichker Wiss, and he organized a two-week conference in the Swiss Alps. This was called the European Management Forum. There were about 450 participants from 31 countries, managers from companies in Europe, as well as members of the European Commission, leading academics, oh, leading academics, you mean the woke crowd, from U.S. universities, and they all gathered in the Alpine Valley to discuss, quote-unquote, better management techniques. By the way, one of his first collaborators on this scheme was a gal by the name of Hilde Stoll, S-T-O-L-L. The internet is pretty well scrubbed of information on her, too. And he eventually married her. Hilde has since set up her own organization. It's called the Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship. Hmm, what does that mean? Huh? You'll see as we go along here. In 1973, two developments kind of distinguished this third Davos meeting There was an Italian industrialist, Paticci, and he delivered a speech on his book, which was called The Limits to Growth, and he called into question the sustainability, oh, that word that we hear all the time now, this is 50 years ago, of global economic growth and population. Hmm, wonder how all these thoughts got started. And basically, he outlined the choices that society had to make to reconcile economic development and environmental constraints. Also, the participants in that third meeting drafted a quote-unquote code of ethics. <laughs> okay, and it was based on Schwab's vision, was at that time the European management. And it was based on his premise that everybody in business was really a stakeholder. Everybody affected by business was a stakeholder. In other words, and I will skip over the first, oh, three or four matters in the davos manifesto of 1973 and get to the heart of the matter number four the management has to serve society it must assume the role of a trustee of the material universe for future generations it has to use the immaterial and material resources at its disposal in an optimal way it has to continuously expand the frontiers of knowledge in management and technology It has to guarantee that its enterprise pays appropriate taxes to the community in order to allow the community to fulfill its objectives. The management also has to make its own knowledge and experience available to the community. I think in that fourth component of this new doctrine of 1973, by what was to become the World Economic Forum, you begin to see the roots of some of the things we are facing today that we have talked about in previous shows – Psyops, the Robber Baron shows, on the Rightsideradio.com. Listen to them. In nineteen seventy six, remember, like Bill Gates, like any of these people, like George Soros, they pretend to do good things. They have their foundations which pretend to do good things, so that they can earn the name, particularly aided and abetted by a corrupt press, as philanthropists. But in reality, It has nothing to do with that, does it? It has to do with power and has to do with money. I've brought you all sorts of stories on Bill Gates and stories on George Soros, who, by the way, is a rather good buddy of our buddy, Klaus Schwab. Yes, the two German boys who grew up in Nazi Germany. Interesting. In 1976, the Forum launched a deal in concert with the United Nations Industrial Development Organization, Oh, now we're getting the United Nations into this. Interesting. And there were 26 nations that took advantage of this initiative. All poor nations, Bolivia, Iran, Ivory Coast, Nigeria. And later that year, the Forum organized the first Arab-European Business Cooperation Symposium, also in Switzerland, by the way. And they professed that this was a bridge from the Arab world to the West. In 1979, the Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab reached out to China, which led to the creation of a yearly China Business Summit, and as of 2007, an annual Summer Davos in China. By the way, that's called officially the annual meeting of the new champion. One has to wonder what Schwab is thinking now, that the world is aligning on the side of, should we say, Western authoritarianism, not democracy, and nationalist ambitions by the BRICS countries, China and Russia, which of course is the real foundation of the Ukraine War. In 1987, at the beginning of the end of the Cold War, to, to reflect its global membership and the fact that economic policy was at the forefront of its activities, the Economic Management Forum changed its name to the World Economic Forum. West Germany's, oh here we are, Germany again, Foreign Minister Hans-Dietrich Genscher made a strong appeal for the West to change its approach and to reach out to the Soviet Union. My, how times have changed now that we have the globalists against the nationalists. And this, of course, tied in with Gorbachev's perestroika and later on, a few years later, the takedown of the Berlin Wall. In 1988, the World Economic Forum, it was as it was then called in Schwab, takes credit for averting a war between Greece and Turkey, citing the fact that the heads of state of Greece and Turkey met at the Davos Convention and became friendly, thereby averting a burgeoning conflict between the two countries. And also in 88, the World Economic Forum began to be, should we say, involved in health by looking at HIV and AIDS, which at that time was kind of running rampant in Africa. In 1990, German reunification and what Schwab called a new Europe. In October of 89, the Berlin Wall came down. And, once again, according to the World Economic Forum and our buddy Klaus, the informal group of East and West German parliamentarians and business leaders who really put Germany back together again, uh, they began their discussions at Davos, of course. And at that annual meeting, the session on New Europe, quote unquote, New Europe, took place. The WEF also takes credit uh, for getting Vietnam that year to sign the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, the Asian treaty of amity and cooperation in 1992 the wef takes credit for nelson mandela the anti-apartheid leader and the head of the african national congress the anc from south africa should we say seeing the light and meeting with the other two key players in the transformation of south africa the dropping of apartheid etc cetera, etc cetera. now of course you have reverse apartheid and the wef has nothing to say about it but i digress In 1998, the WEF pretty much was behind the formation of what's called the G20. You've heard of that. And it was the beginning of the reformation of the global financial system, which was in the wake of the financial crisis that was affecting emerging markets, particularly Asia. The first meeting of the G20 that was birthed you might say, at the WEF, was held in Bonn, Germany. Oh, Germany again. Later in 1998. And in 2008, the U.S. hosted a G20 summit in D.C. And then world leaders in September 2009, world leaders meeting in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, announced that the G20 would replace the G8 as the main forum for coordinating global economic policy. Oh, so let's see. Our buddy here... As we'll come to see in my discussion, our buddy here gets global leaders in place, takes the G8 and makes it the G20, expands his global reach and that of the WEF, and then off we go. In 1999, you know, he's starting to get some traction here. He controls a bunch of global leaders. We're going to talk about that. He's expanded kind of the global economic forum, which he pretty much pulls the strings of in one way, shape, or form. And in the run-up to the WEF annual meeting, whose theme, by the way, was Responsible Globality, Responsible Globality, the United Nations Secretary General at that time, Anand, and Klaus Baby discussed how to rally participants to support a global effort to highlight the social responsibility of business which, by the way, became the genesis of what's called the UN Global Compact. It's a set of 10 ethical principles which pretty much mirror the doctrines of the WEF and almost 10,000 companies around the globe have signed on to. In 2000, Bill Clinton became the first U.S. president to attend the WEF. And also in 2000, remember, the interest in health matters, starting with AIDS a few years prior, the launch of GAVI, right, the Gates Vaccination Initiative, And at that annual meeting, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, GAVI, was born. I mean, it was born at the WEF meeting. And there were other kind of health-related, global health-related, of course, matters that the WEF got involved in. But notably, in 2017, I'm jumping ahead just a bit here, the WEF formed, or was responsible for the formation for the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. Huh, that, wasn't that long before we had the pandemic? One has to wonder, wasn't that the year that Fauci said the next U.S. president, i.e. Trump, is absolutely going to face an unanticipated pandemic? You know, just saying. In 2002, to show its solidarity and to get his hooks further into America, Davos held his WEF meeting in New York, you know, to give support to the United States after 9 one And in 2005, they launched what was called the Gender Gap Report. And its study was called Woman's Empowerment, Measuring the Global Gender Gap. Wasn't that about the time, folks, that we started to get the, oh, kind of the beginnings, the precipitation of the Me Too movement? Wasn't that about the time that feminists started to rise up all over the world do you see how the WEF is affecting all the things we're dealing with now, and all the things that people who love freedom in all the Western countries and around the globe are dealing with now? It's rather insidious, but we'll get to that in the rest of the story. And then in 2007, he coined the phrase, Fourth Industrial Revolution, ah, which he says we are in the throes of right now. In 2012, he began to indoctrinate, he began to recruit, he began to make his loyal disciples, global leaders, and he held the East Asia meeting for the first time, and World Economic Forum meetings in Africa, and in the Middle East, and in North Africa, and in India, and it was at that meeting in Dubai in November that the forum hosted the inaugural meeting of, quote, the leaders of regional organizations, which was, quote, a platform to strengthen global governance through cooperation among regional organizations, unquote. As we know, the WEF Young Global Leaders Program has spawned such people as Macron in France, our buddy Trudy in Canada. I think if we dig deeper, Barack Obama in the United States. And as to that, when questioned about the WEF and its global governance doctrines, Joe Biden, President Gaddafi, had this to say just in the last year. I am devoted to WEF principles, unquote. Andrea Merkel In Germany, and a host of other leaders around the world. We'll talk more about that in the rest of the story. And in 2016, the WEF began to focus on technology because it was bringing, quote, humankind to an inflection point, unquote. And it was Schwab who coined the term Fourth Industrial Revolution. It is also not only the theme of Davos 2016, but it's the topic of his book, quote, an unprecedented transformation of businesses and societies that raises profound ethical questions, unquote. (laughs) You, You bet it does. And as the WEF's power and influence and control over the world's governments through its global leader initiative kind of expands, it's also become involved in... Agile Airspace Regulation, which supports drones and commercial aircraft. Of course, drones are also used for surveillance, folks. It lost government procurement guidelines for artificial intelligence. Oh, gee, we've heard a lot about that in the last year, haven't we? And an, quote, Agile Personal Data Policy, unquote. Yeah. Digital identity, anybody? Right now, there are 45 projects revolving around or immersed in this, quote-unquote, fourth industrial revolution in four WEF-led centers, and 10 affiliate centers. In 2018, the WEF expanded its annual conference even more dramatically. Theresa May, another, by the way, graduate of the Global Leaders Initiative, Prime Minister of Alexis Tsipras, and I hope I pronounced that right, of Greece, and Donald Trump, who famously told them to go stuff it, that America was going in alone. We weren't going to be part of this global governance theory, which, by the way, I think kind of sealed his fate in 2020 and the election fraud that was monumental and controlled by outside forces. In 2019, the WEF really began to focus, although it had begun long before, on climate change as a shield for the club against human freedom that it really is. And a youth climate activist, Greta Thunberg, gosh, he's a winner, and the revered British broadcaster Sir David Attenborough, along with others, made sure that the urgency of our environmental crisis, you know, we're all going to die, folks, was on the agenda, front and center. And now the World Economic Forum has a climate initiative and an alliance of CEO climate leaders, which is a global network, oh, here we go, of business leaders dedicated to making the transition to a low-carbon, climate-resilient economy. And another outfit of the WEF, Mission Possible, which aims to make industries, including shipping and aviation, net zero for CO2 emissions by 2050. Gee, that's where everybody's getting this 2050 date, the WEF. And this whole stakeholder capitalism, this whole CO2 free by 2050, that has evolved folks into ESG, right? Environmental social governance. We've talked about that in the show. Put it in the search bar on the rightside radio.com. This is what is leading companies to be woke. And many of these company heads, you know, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, you name it, large companies, are also attendees now at the WEF, which has grown to 2,500 attendees as of 2022. And now for the rest of the story on our friends at the WEF. Although Schwab and crew, like Soros, like Gates, like the rest of the so-called billionaire philanthropists, try and cloak their evil intents in philanthropic, good deeds, <laughs> all of which benefit them financially or otherwise. There is a very dark side to the WEF. One that, by the way, the PSYOPs Masters, go back to my stories on PSYOPs, five weeks ago, five weeks of it, you need to understand how they're trying to manipulate you on the therightsideradio.com. The PSYOPs Masters, led by the BBC. Ah, the BBC seems to be coming more and more into this dark and sinister miss, mal, dis, and withholding of information routine that we're getting used to. Let me give you the BBC's uh, spin on the WEF. Quote, in the hands of a diverse group of online activists, the Great Reset has been transformed from a call to encourage people to think about a sustainable future to a sinister plot against humanity, unquote. And so it is, folks. Let me give you just three quotes from the WEF and Schwab. From Schwab himself, quote, To achieve a better outcome in the post-pandemic era, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism, unquote. And then his WEF disciples at the 2022 WEF conference. Let me give you two of their little nuggets. And this is just a sampling. Lockdowns prove billions will comply with climate restrictions. How you like that one? Here's another one for you. We don't need the vast majority of the world's population, unquote. Does that kind of give you an idea? Next week, we're going to go into the history of how he has gotten his clutches, gotten his talents into global leaders around the world, Macron and Trudeau and Biden and Obama and Merkel and you name it. And I'm going to tell you exactly how he has spread his influence, not with an army like Hitler tried to do, but with subterfuge and guile and money and influence. And I'm going to tie it all together for you, And you're going to see how everything that we are experiencing here in the United States and the Western world all comes from Klaus Schwab and the WEF. They have their fingers in everything, including education, which we're going to talk just a little bit about in Rat-A-Tat-Tat. And speaking of rat a tat here we go. Rat-A-Tat-Tat today. What I wanted to bring you last week on this uncovering of massive election fraud in Pennsylvania in the 2020 election this is a book that just came out stealing your vote I recommend it by Christina Bob she worked at OAN she's currently an attorney for Trump she was his legal representative during the Mar-a-Lago FBI raid and she began her career in the United States Marine Corps she knows her stuff she's done an extensive investigation let me just give you some things here on this election fraud which you know doesn't exist folks So, the way Joe Biden made up uh, 780,000 votes from a 700,000 deficit to quote unquote win Pennsylvania, she went out and she hired Audit the Vote PA. And Audit the Vote canvassed multiple counties, Democrat and Republican. Let me give you some examples. In Allegheny County, which is a Democrat county and kind of a suburb of Pittsburgh, Audit the Vote knocked on 500 doors, collected 185 responses. And listen to this, 78.6% of the houses had some election anomaly. In other words, the residents' understanding of who voted from their addresses didn't match the official records. 69% of the houses had some registration count discrepancy, which means the official record of registered voters at the residence didn't match the residents' knowledge. 64.8% had phantom registrations associated with their address, meaning the residents were unaware of additional voters being registered at their home. 4.8% had fewer registered voters on record than the residents stated, a rather minor percentage. 42.5% of addresses had a different number of votes on record for 2020 than the residents stated. 29.2% had phantom votes. 13.2% had missing votes. Montgomery County, they did all sorts of counties. I'm just giving you several examples. Montgomery County is known for being a Democrat stronghold also. According to the uh, 2020 Pennsylvania election returns, Biden won 62% of the roughly 500,000 votes, we think, that were cast in the 2020 election. Audit the vote knocked on 548 doors, got 183 voters to respond to their questions. 77 addresses had a registration count discrepancy. That's 42.1%, folks. 42 addresses had phantom registrations, 23% of all residences. 35 addresses were missing registrations, 19.1%. 66 addresses had a vote count discrepancy, 36.1%. 24 addresses showed phantom votes, you know, made-up votes, 13.1%. 42 addresses showed missing votes, 23%. Then they did Lancaster County. This is a Republican county. And guess what? 37% of the houses there had an election anomaly. In all, what this canvassing showed, county after county after county, Republican or Democrat, it showed an average 37% anomaly rate with a high of 52% in many counties. This is staggering. Think about what that means to 1.5 million votes. And then you can understand why Pennsylvania was supposedly won by President Cadaver. Down in Arizona, the appeals court will be hearing Kerry Lake's case, and the Democrats are getting a little desperate. They're trying the same, this is criminal, action that they tried with the counties that wouldn't certify the vote. I told you about that back there at right after the elections in November. It seems Kerry Lake tweeted out pictures of a number of ballots where the signatures obviously don't match. I mean, they're not even in the same universe. And her team has now put together a count of all the ballots in Arizona that have mismatched signatures, which is against state law. 38,000 plus. Remember, she lost the governorship by a supposed 17,000 votes. Well, now, the new Secretary of State has asked the new Attorney General, who works for Katie Hobbs, the illegitimate governor, and who won his election by 280 votes, supposedly, out of two and a half million, after a delay in counting, of course. Gee, does this sound like Pennsylvania? To prosecute Carrie Lake because she has publicly disclosed voter and voter registration information. Now, you know, I'm not a lawyer. But, you know, when you have a fake ballot with mismatched signatures, I think all you've disclosed is a fake ballot. I don't think you've disclosed a voter but that goes back to our discussion on ballots versus votes. Remember that all these articles are under election fraud. They're under rat tat tat You can read them in depth on the website on ontherightsideradio.com. How about some more rat-a-tat-tat? I got this call. Supposedly, they wanted me to give to some kind of leukemia fund. And, you know, I just don't do that offhand. So I started questioning them well it come to find out that they're actually a political committee not a nonprofit corporation and when i questioned them on where these donations went there was some mumbling about you know politicians who support blah 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 in other words democrats i'm telling you this As a warning, if you get a phone solicitation, do not agree to give money, okay? Do not. Ask some questions. You will find out that the Democrats, who are above nothing, are calling Republican voters to get money from Republican voters for trumped-up causes. You know, the PSYOPs, kind of like uh, our friends at WEF, the guys of philanthropy with a sinister intent the CPI get ready for this folks you're gonna hear about the CPI coming down this is nonsense once again shadowstatistics.com is your friend check out what the real CPI is it's over 15% right now it ain't coming down you know why because the government changed the aggregate in other words basis on which it's reporting these ascents and descents of the CPI from two years to one year what happened last year oh that's right we had a really high CPI so what happens this year if it goes down a little bit oh inflation's going down, everything's okay, the Democrats' Marxist economic plan is working. Folks, PSYOPs, can you spell PSYOPs? Then I got a couple emails from woke people who, I guess, troll the show. Basically what they said was, oh, we heard you talk about this reparations thing in San Francisco and you didn't tell the whole story because there's really strict requirements, blah, 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 blah. Well, nonsense. I went and researched. You know what the requirements are to get your $5 million under the pending bill in San Francisco if you happen to be a black person? Here are the qualifications, folks. Hold on to your bippy. You have to be black. You have to be over 18. You have to have records of where you've lived for the past 13 years. And if you're a black person over 18 who's either been to jail, you'll love this, for drug offenses or are the direct descendant, quote unquote, of a slave. 150 years ago, then you're eligible for the $5 million. In other words, basically, folks, everybody's eligible for the $5 million. And then, you know, California. We're back to California. So California now has a bill that's pending, and it looks like it's going to pass, that would allow Mexican students, in other words, illegal aliens near the border, to pay in-state community college tuition. Wow. Unbelievable. What about the millions of students who pay out the nose to attend California's quote-unquote higher education system? How about American schools prioritizing American students? Oh, what a novel concept, particularly in California. Oh, and you know, the chickens come home to roost, as Jeremiah, our pastor for Obama would say. So all the migrants that were shipped back to New York, et cetera, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, and that have been put up in New York. I brought you this story several weeks ago in like five-star hotels, just like Britain is doing. they've now opened a shelter for them in Brooklyn, and you know what? they've refused to move from the hotels, in which apparently they are cooking their dinners in the rooms, having sex in the hallways, etc, etc, etc. This is according to numerous news reports. And the migrants who refuse to leave these five-star hotels are protesting being moved to an inhumane shelter. And of course, the Democrats in charge of these major cities where they're running into these in ungrateful illegal aliens, they're not going back to the root cause of the problem, i.e. the southern border. They're asking for more money from President Cadaver. In other words, money from you and I. By the way, Pfizer's profits are down dramatically. So is their stock. Oh, bad things coming to Pfizer? Oh, who would have thought? I'm so sorry for them. And it seems that the PSYOPs media is in full spin trying to cover up the project veritas video where a pfizer director right was caught saying oh yeah we're doing gain of function so that we can mutate the virus so we can have vaccines every year you know which ties in with what the cdc said a couple weeks ago as i told you last week annual vaccines for covid and one of the things they're saying is that gee this tristian character who is a director of Pfizer, how do we know he's a director of Pfizer? You know, they're trying to cast doubt on the story. You know, he may not even work for Pfizer. Blah, 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 blah. And when we Google him, all his stuff, there's nothing there. There's nothing on LinkedIn. Well, folks, there's screenshots of all his stuff on the web. Project Veritas did their job. And you know what? The night that that video broke, everything was wiped clean. That's right. Tristan or Pfizer or whoever wiped his LinkedIn clean, wiped his Facebook clean you name it. All trace of him was removed just so that the media could do their psyops and cast doubt on the Project Veritas film. Psyops, anyone? By the way, there are a number of absolutely startling new articles and studies posted on the COVID page. If you haven't been following that, folks, you really need to do that. I mean, there is more and more stuff coming out now on a daily basis from around the world. Follow that with Wrapped attention, particularly in connection with what we've talked about today in the WEF. Because the WEF and the WHO, and we're going to bring you that history the week after next, they are in lockstep, along with the United Nations, the globalists and the Marxists of the world, to transform your life. And their lever, the point of their spear, is going to be health. Speaking of which, it seems like Cadaver is going to lift the emergency COVID executive order on May 11th. There's going to be all sorts of ramifications from that. I'm going to bring you that next week because there's things that are going to happen when that order is lifted that you've never thought about, but you need to. And the CDC, you know, those folks who care so deeply about our health. Oh, my God, it makes me cry just thinking about their compassion and their empathy. They've issued new guidance, and this is for people with weak immune systems, I guess who haven't died from the jab yet, saying that they should take extra precautions because the FDA removed from approvals a key COVID 19 antibody treatment, the mono treatment, you know, the infusion treatment, which has been so successful, and which they originally moved from Florida and red states, which weren't going along with their mandates to begin with. So the guidance, and remember, the COVID thing was over according to Biden himself, more than a year ago. In fact, it never really existed if you've been listening to this show. The CDC's revised guidance says that despite CDC-cited studies, their own studies and data suggesting that masks provide little or no effectiveness or negative effectiveness in blocking COVID-19 transmission, immunocompromised individuals who have now been deprived of the infusion drugs which actually help them are supposed to stay six feet away from everybody and wear, you know, the proper masking. And you know, you've heard all the stuff about the documents, right? You're going to hear a lot more. They've now uncovered a third email from Hunter Biden, which has classified information in it or attached to it that went to foreign governments. I mean, this is really getting kind of ugly, folks. And they've discovered that he had a home office and ready access to all these classified documents, including the pile in the garage. And suddenly the National Archives, who is all over Trump, Suddenly, you know, they just don't know what happened here with Biden. And oh, how about Obama? 30 million pages is the estimate of classified documents he has, which, by the way, extend back to Bill Clinton's era. And the National Archives has nothing to say about that. And Obama's team is stonewalling. Quote, the former president's staff declined to comment on whether it is conducting its own search for any mishandled classified documents he, Obama, might have. Quote, we have nothing for you at this time, unquote. <laughs> okay, great. You remember our little story on the M&M's, the woke spokescandies? Well... It kind of ended there, but no, it's it's going down the rabbit hole, folks. Don't try looking for M and M's at the candy counter anymore. Starting a few days ago, you're shopping for what's called Ma and Yaz. I'm not making this up. Ma and Yaz. No more M and M's. So days after they retired their woke spokes candies, their diverse spokes candies, they've also retired their world famous name. Oh, that's that's. I'm sure their shareholders are really happy there. And they have a new spokesperson, Maya Rudolph. And she revealed the switch in an announcement video that premiered last Thursday. Wonderful. In really good news, the jury in that kind of blockbuster pro-life trial, the guy's name is Mark Houck, a Catholic. He's a counselor. He's a father of seven. He was raided by the FBI with drawn guns, charged with two felonies for, quote-unquote, interfering with an abortion clinic I'm not going to get into the details here, but he would have faced 11 years behind bars, a $350,000 fine. Guess what? Pfft, gone. The jury acquitted him on all counts. So, too bad for the FBI, too bad for the Justice Department, and too bad for Planned Parenthood. And now, in a really, I think, important rat-a-tat-tat, Ohio and Utah are red states, right? Well, guess who activist educators are particularly focused on now? Red states. They've got to change the minds of red state. Kids, right, to put pressure on red state parents and to change the demographics of the, those states down the road for voting purposes. So there's an outfit called Accuracy in Media. Their investigators went undercover. I'm just going to tell you about Utah. You folks in Utah, listen carefully. You elected Mitt Romney, and now you need to get your schools under control because this is all happening beneath your nose, and there's, it's outrageous. There's no excuse for it. Get involved and get this fixed. So these undercover accuracy and media investigators, here's what they found in Utah. Same in Ohio, same in other red states. Talking to AIM investigators, a hidden camera, let's take Jordan School District. A teacher, Letitia Vigil, she explained that their language and cultural department has been instrumental in, quote, helping teachers front load those lessons, CRT, gender, etc., that might be considered CRT or white privilege and how to name things and talk about things to get around the Utah state law, which prohibits it. And then Jordan School District Director of Culture and Diversity, Michelle Loveday, says they kind of gone around all those laws. According to her, quote, the state board did a definition of what is equity and what is contained in schools. And they have like a whole policy on professional development around equity, unquote. There was like loopholes with it. It just goes back to the local education agency for equity unquote. And then she goes on. Now, listen to this carefully. Basically, she says they're willing to do whatever's needed to push this diversity, gender, equity, inclusion, all that crap, and ask for forgiveness later in breaking the law rather than permission beforehand. Quote, whenever our team goes out, we don't have to do an opt-out. In other words, give parents notice and let them opt out. They just go out, meet the kids, work with them, and then we give them a letter after they go out saying, we were in your school and this is what we talked about, unquote. In the Murray City School District, Missy Hamilton, she was laughing on the film. She was telling investigators about a teacher who hangs a Black Lives Matter flag bigger than the American flag in his classroom. But he wasn't worried about the school board taking action because he enjoys teacher union backing. Oh, that's terrific. And then over in the Salt Lake City School District, Professional Development and Library Technology Supervisor, ooh, Katie Laramia, told the investigators on camera, not knowing it. Quote, the American Federation of Teachers and several other groups, they have this curriculum that they bring in and we have trainers. So we've had to train the trainers. Now we have trainers internally in our district trained on social justice and NEA programs about that. Unquote. NEA's National Education Association folks, absolutely Marxists, I've told you about them. And they hide this from parents by calling it social emotional learning. In the Ogden School District, Executive Director of Instructional Leadership for Elementary Elementary Folks, Sarah Roberts. Quote, we have an SEL curriculum in every school, and that's the state's expectations. That comes from the legislature, you guys. In other words, they're taking what the legislature has mandated, and then they are putting all this woke crap under what the legislature has mandated as education and hiding it from the parents. And you'll love this. She goes on, when parents don't want their children receiving these lessons... She has alternate curricula that still meets the same objectives, unquote. By the way, she also revealed that Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood folks, funded by your tax dollars, actually contributes to her district's curriculum. Quote, we have a very close partnership with Planned Parenthood and they come in and speak in our district all the time, unquote. And then she talks about the district having a rule that, quote, anybody who requests a book to be banned has to have read the entire book, and their child has to have read the entire book. And then they have to meet with a committee, and that includes parents and teachers and administrators and district people, unquote. In other words, folks, even when you want to get this stuff out, they're forcing your kid to read it. Do you understand what's going on here? You folks in Utah and all other states, because it's going on everywhere. Get it together, folks. Get your schools under control. You better talk to Governor Cox, who signed this bill with all these loopholes in it that these Marxists are using, and get this straightened out. Oh, and by the way, get ready to kick Mitt Romney out in 2024, would you? And we're out of time, as always. Next week, WEF and how it got its talents into world leaders around the globe. And it's now time to look in the mirror, repeat with your family, and repeat with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. Talk to you next week. Let's talk about your family's safety. If you listen to this show, you know our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. There's been 70 physical attacks on grid stations and countless cyber attacks in the last year. Imagine a blackout lasting days, weeks, months. Look around your house. Water, refrigeration, heat, light would be poof. That's why having your own portable solar power... And not relying on a government grid is critical. With a Patriot Power Sidekick from 4 Patriots, you get a solar generator that's quick, easy, portable, on the go, or even inside. And though only the size of a lunchbox, it's powerful. It'll power your phones, your medical devices, even a mini-fridge a free solar panel, free shipping, and a practically unheard of 365-day satisfaction guarantee. You can get 10% off your purchase using the code RIGHTSIDE at checkout. for patriotscom Use the code RIGHTSIDE. Get 10% off. Protect you. Protect your family. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side.